0: Welcome to Farming Internal, an Eternal Podcast for Farmers, hosted by me, Patrick, or Padomaru in Game, my co-host Ruben or Barefoot Farmer, and our intrepid friend Ben or B Grasher lurking in the background. It's episode 13. For those of you tuning in for the first time, we are a draft-focused podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, mostly me, get better at draft. We get into the nitty-gritty of the drafting process with a little meta-analysis and play tips thrown in. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, so please give us a five-star rating or just like us. Literally, I'd be satisfied if you just liked us. Uh, So we have some exciting news this week. This will be our first ever episode with a live guest, and it is Cassandra.
1: Hey, guys.
0: So we usually start the show by talking about our week, so let's get right into it. Um, and so this week, with our guest, we'll start with him. So, Cassandra, how was your draft week?
1: Uh, I had a few, a few down drafts where we went a couple of, a couple of '03s. 3s um, Overall, I felt that it was an overall net positive draft experience. I'd say I maintained over the 50% margins we're after.
0: All right. Well, that's good. How about you, Ruben? Have you been doing much draft this week? A little bit here and there. It's
1: been
2: uh, just trying to develop gold at this point because for a, for a vegetable farmer, this is the time of year when you've like run out of money right before markets start. Yes. <laughs> so, so, like my my uh, typical strategy of just jamming drafts uh, ad nauseum isn't really uh, something I do this time of year. But I'm still having fun. I, I I'm like Cassandra though. I'm having you know about the same rate win loss i feel like I, i've been upper diamond just bouncing back and forth um with some o3s thrown in here and there
0: <laughs> yeah i'm in the same boat and uh interestingly uh ben is also in the same boat i felt like last week i talked about how i was doing pretty well this format and then after we recorded our episode so cassandra you probably don't know this so last episode, the draft that uh, I did was this hyper-aggressive Skycrag aggro deck splashing Dizo's office.
1: <laughs> okay. and I, uh, It's a splash-worthy card.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Ruben called me crazy for keeping it in my deck, but it <laughs> won me about three games, so I went six and three with the deck, and I had a very unfortunate final loss where I got super power-screwed. But then, after that deck, my week went really downhill, where I just spewed out a whole bunch of O threes and one threes, maybe like a couple lucky two threes, and I felt like I was drafting really, really good decks, and I was getting really frustrated because I, I felt like great cards were being passed me. I was picking great cards, I was getting like really lucky like legendaries and stuff. Where I was like, oh, this is the draft that turns it around for me. And then I would just 0-3 the draft. So I decided I was going to put down drafting for a few days. And um, didn't actually draft again until I was forced to draft for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, So we'll see how this draft went um, after I took a few days break. And got a little time to recenter and rethink about my strategy. Moving on to card of the week. So my card of the week this week is dormant sentinel, which is seven time, time uh, seven, seven sentinel with empower gain overwhelm. And the reason I kind of wanted to talk about this card is because I wanted to hear your two opinions on whether this card went up from last format or whether it's still not a great card, I guess, because you know, I, I guess I'm I've been having trouble with these synergy decks just in general, but like it just seems like with sentinels you think, oh wow, there's so many sentinels. But like is dormant sentinel really doing anything for a sentinel deck? Because it doesn't have bond and it's seven power. So by the time you play it, like you really want your bonded sentinels to already be on the battlefield. Is that does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does. Um So I, you're really looking for your payoff sentinel is like you know the holy grail is your scour stones. Yes. You're like yes, this is the guy that I want to play as early as humanly possible. And in order for you to play that card as early as possible, you need the four and five drop sentinels, namely your um, your infused guardians, your um, uh, the the red pledge one. I can't remember its name now.
0: There's the surveillor, which is surveillor.
1: That's it. And then there's the the one that gets uh the one that gets overwhelmed if you have a relic. And plus one plus one. Yes. Those are your two your two to three primary sentinels you're looking for. So you're you're kinda wanna go like the the average sentinel curve is like one, two, four, nine. Yes. Um I would say that this guy is probably a lower end sentinel because there's not a lot of synergy with the Bond stuff. But I don't think it's a terrible card if you can't find those scour stones or those high payoffs he kind of fills the gap
0: yeah well i guess that was my question is like does it fill i it just feels like it's not actually on point for the sentinel strategy like him and then in the defiance packs the uh eight, eight for eight that has pledge because it just feels like to me that they're still very bad cards that you don't really want in your deck even <laughs> it, if it's your
1: it's your you, consolation prize for not finding scour stones yeah <laughs> exactly
0: ruben yeah. do you have any thoughts
1: I mean, I, I totally agree with everything
2: Cassandra said. Um, I actually had a deck recently that, that, it was one of my seven win decks that used this card specifically with ancient defenses. I had two ancient defenses and like a Monolith Guardian, which is obviously insane with that guy. And uh, Wandering Forge was the 4-2 you guys were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. The 4-2 four, the four for 4. Um, but I was able to play Dormant Sentinel Triggered off of Ancient Defenses for free a free Scourstone Sentinel multiple times. I I did that. It was pretty. It was pretty busted. I mean this this was a fringe case like all the
1: broken stuff type of deck. Oh. Ancient Defenses is probably the the most broken card you can play in a Sentinel deck. Not oh, only yeah. is it a card you want to play in almost any Fire deck just because it's removal, but um it it really does allow you to do some very broken bond things.
2: Yeah, and giving Dormant Sentinel plus two and then empowering it with, you know, <laughs> Overwhelm is amazing. I mean, it hits really hard. So I, I think Dormant Sentinel, like you guys said, is is still about medium. But, I mean, because the Sentinel deck has so much support, it's gone up for me a
0: bit. That's interesting, because like I, I said, I don't know if I would have... I In my mind, I don't consider it to have gone up just because it's not really helping... Bond thing. I just feel like in most situations, it's not actually going to help with your bond strategy. It's just going to be like a big top end.
2: That yeah, that makes sense. I mean this this deck I was actually talking about had two trail makers and some other ways to help <laughs> ramp a little bit. So I guess that that makes up for it. Because you're you're right. Because it's not bond. Um, I, I mean, you'd rather have something like a pillar of Amar um, <laughs> at that slot. All right, so Ruben,
0: what's your card?
2: Yeah, you thought this was a joke when I wrote it down, didn't you?
0: No, I didn't. I, I,
2: I wrote Dizo's office as my card of the week. <laughs> just because of this kind of funny saga I was following with you um, where you just kept like winning games with it despite the fact that uh, after looking at your deck like when it was all, you know, completed, it just didn't make any sense <laughs> to splash for one card. But but I gotta say maybe I was a little off because I do think that maybe you do have to make a case, like a exception for a card that literally just wins the game on its own basically, which I think Diza's office does in most instances when you play it. So I don't know what what do you guys think? What's your like limit? Like where where do you
0: say ah maybe? I mean based on last week, the answer for me is obviously there is no limit, but. You know, I I actually think Dizo's office is even better than it really is, just based on my experience of having played it in this in this deck from last week, because I feel like people have no idea how to play against it. So there were a couple games where it won me the game where even though I played it, I should have lost, but like my opponent just became like so timid that they like Stopped A spacing or were like just like totally changed their game plan when I was like, I literally only have two mischief yetis in my hand. So if you (sighs) attack me, there's nothing I can do about it. But they got like so concerned that I like threw out this Deezo's Office and it's a legendary Mm -hmm. and it's so powerful that, you know, I think it just screws up people's game plan and does more than it
1: even like really should based on just the text of it. So, as a way to kind of push into this, um, I, currently I have a draft that we we stopped midway through at the end of my stream last night. Um, it is an Aurelian deck, and we are splashing fire for Howling Peak. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, it's the only fire card in the entire deck. And when you get to these kind of, like, edge case scenarios of cards that impactful, you're going to find a way to put it in your deck.
2: I like your take on that. I, I agree.
1: <laughs> Although, I mean, I, I, I've always been the type
2: of person that's really dead set. I mean, you hear me use the word game plan a lot during these podcasts because yeah. that's, like, something I like to really zone in on is what's my game plan and does this further it? And, yeah, shoving a diva, Deezo's office in a Skycrag <laughs> aggressive deck doesn't, like, to me, typically sound like something I would I would do, but I know that the payoff is... Yeah, I mean, like we said, and also sites in general, right, are just incredible. I know I I had a game with Cassandra. He beat me, but I played a turn two or three Torgov's trading posts, And I know he was like, whoa, that card. And and I I
1: audibly sighed frustration (laughs) when I saw it. And I go, really? (laughs) Yeah,
2: that's all I had. But it it gave him a run for his money, I think. I, I never drew a Sentinel, unfortunately, but I know that that's... It's a, sites are kind of mess everything up because just to take them out requires you know a diversion of your attackers, which mm-hmm. can really uh, you know set you up in a good position. Even
0: just that, yeah, yeah. And I think especially with Dizo's office, with the the your creatures getting life gain, I think that's what screwed a lot of people up. Is because I was often on very low health when I played a Deezo's office. And so then people were like, "Oh, I don't want to attack in because they're just going to chomp and gain life, or what you know what I mean?" So it's just like like I said, people got so defensive after I played a office then had all the time in the world to like draw a flyer and finally kill them. All right, cool, so
1: next uh Cassandra <laughs> uh,
0: your, I don't know uh, how
1: I'm gonna follow up with diesel's office, but i got <laughs> I got a good one for you. My choice is iron hook um." So this, this innocuous little three-mana relic, it's a 2-2 two, two weapon. Uh, for those of you not familiar with this card that you've probably passed 100 times in draft, it, I think this card has actually gained value um, in the rotation of the, the new draft format. Um, it's a card that any color can play. Um, the fact that it can kind of take out flyers makes it kind of decent in the, the Praxis Sentinel deck. Um, being able to take out like those problematic, uh, like the 1-2 deadly Corrin uh, and Steward mm mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of there's a lot of really powerful cards that people are playing that this card can just cleanly answer and even if it's just a one for one the the one for one is usually a good trade in your favor because you're trading kind of a medium card for usually something that they're like this card is fantastic this card might actually do you know 10 12 points of damage before they deal with this and, and deadly and quick draw are two very popular things that you're gonna see right now. And this once again doesn't cause you to lose a unit or board progression. It lets you just kind of take out those problems.
2: I like your take on that. I mean I had a situation earlier where I literally just lost to a scorpion. It felt like the game that just turned the game because I had so much aggression with weapons and stuff, and they just played a scorpion. <laughs> Iron Hook is such a elegant answer to something like that. So yeah, I think maybe it's something to be uh, I, I mean, I'm going to be keeping my eye out for them a little more
0: now that you've mentioned it. Yeah, sure. uh, yeah, me too. I it is not a card that I have been picking recently. I felt like people were always lower on it than they should have been, in, even in the last format. But I still haven't moved it up enough yet to <laughs> um, to play it in a deck. But now that you mention it, it does seem like it has probably improved. In this format, so I like that. I like, yeah, I like that you mentioned
2: it's uh, colorless, which <laughs> the the I mean the influence requirements did get so much worse in this format. You mm-hmm. you got to just admit it and kind of work around it. So I think you're you're totally correct and in, in taking Iron Hook a little higher because I, I have noticed how just just really frequently we're having broken games where people aren't even playing anything until they're not playing their t- two drops till turn four or something because they just don't have the right, they don't have those strangers to round everything out. I feel like it's
0: a, been a pretty big impact. All right. So let's move into our seven win run breakdown. Uh, first, I'd like to thank everyone who submitted decks this week. So our new submitters this week are Adam H, Dirty Magnum, Ryan D, Old Rich, for the Eternals, Will A, uh, Shogun Tokugawa, Dark Tempest, Mark D, Jell W, and in- Induku. And our veteran contributors, uh, Misty, Daniel C, Rofer, Caesar C, Zuta, Abidne Gogo, Ruben L, Ben Grasher, and Gaonan. So thank you all again for submitting in decklist. And for those of you who are new to the podcast... Um, or haven't submitted one yet, um, we collect everyone's seven-win decklists and put them in a spreadsheet for us to analyze like what factions are doing well and what cards are doing well. And you could send those decklists to farmingeternal at gmail.com, and they can be sent in as an exported decklist or a screenshot, though exported decklist is preferable. All right, so let's get into it. This week we've got in we got another twenty five decks, so we're up to fifty two decks in our spreadsheet. General overview: um, Fire is still completely dominating. So, of the fifty two decks, thirty nine of them have fire in them, while the next highest is uh, Time, which has uh, thirty one, and Shadow and Justice are once again, in last place. So is that how you guys been feeling about the format? Is this lining up with your impressions?
1: Uh, I think Fire is a very powerful uh, color. Um, if you think about how the changes have been made, uh, Primal lost a lot of its removal. So mm-hmm. Primal is probably going to tick back a little bit, and Fire is going to pick up that role player in kind of like your removal department. Um, we didn't really lose Conflagrate, and that's kind of like one of the the really good removal spells that people are still picking very highly. So I can definitely see that.
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting, because that was the opposite of my initial impressions, you know, before I played the format, where I, where I kind of predicted that fire would take a nosedive because it lost so many of its good weapons, and I felt like in the last format, fire was also our most drafted color, and I... Felt that that was, while it was on the back of Conflagorate, it was also on the back of just Voltroning up units and winning in the air. Um, and so now lost. that it lost half of its like appeal, I thought it was going to go down. But that has not been the case so far in the decks that we've received. The other uh, interesting thing of note is we are still getting a lot more full-on three-color decks than we are Two colors or two colors with a splash, which has been surprising. And it's especially surprising because a couple of the cards that you would think would help you with those three-color decks have also gone down. Obviously, no strangers now. And we're getting a lot fewer banners in the deck list we're sending. So, like, the Legion banner is only, like, our number 26th played card. While in the last format, there were a lot of, a couple of the banners were in the top 10 most played cards. And tokens also, we have fewer tokens than we did in the last format. So it's kind of surprising to me that, at least in the decks that we're receiving, we're getting a lot more three color decks and two color decks, but they're playing a lot fewer tokens and banners than they were in the decks that we were receiving in the last format. That's interesting. I think it makes sense with banners,
2: just because they're in, now they're pack one, and you you typically, when you start off a draft, don't want to pick, um, fixing over playable, especially like a playable two drop or three, something good, Mm -hmm. um, which is frequently a choice that you're making right now, especially since we have some powerful synergies and tribal mechanics and stuff, um, so so I'm not surprised that that's the case. And I am mean, curious about the tokens though. I figured tokens would have gone up, so I can't really explain that. <laughs> that
1: that's the same assumption I would make on the tokens. I would think that people would start valuing them higher. Um yeah. the shift in the pack order, like he's like uh, like you guys were saying is um pack one you're you're looking at these cards and you're not really thinking about fixing right away. Um you're thinking I still got four more pack, three more packs. But in reality there's not a whole lot of fixing in your defiance packs. So, uh, people are, people are, I'm I'm noticing people are starting to value them higher, at least when, when I'm picking and when I see like uh, a couple other streamers picking, we're starting to see that more, but it's still kind of maybe learning and scoping out the format. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Actually, the only sort of way I, or sort of interpretation I get is that maybe it's because people know the fixing is so bad, people are picking it higher and therefore, the overall population are getting fewer per deck, you know, because, like, if the bad players are now picking fixing, too, it just means, like, the good players are going to get less fixing. And so we're going to see less fixing in the deck lists we collect because everyone's just getting past fewer
1: banners and tokens. That's actually extremely good insight on that. I didn't even think about it that way. That (laughs) makes sense.
0: Yeah, and and, like, another example of this is, like, like Veteran Strategist, which you... Uh, would think would be a very popular card. We only have two copies show up in our 52 decks. So that's all I really wanted to say so far. We'll keep getting more deck lists, and we'll keep talking about it more. So tune in next week for even more insight about the format. But let's get to our main topic, which is an interview with Cassandra. So first off, uh, uh do you want to let people sort of know who you are and where they can find you?
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, As you guys have said, uh, I'm Cassandreth. I'm actually a fairly new content creator. Um, I actually started things off at the beginning of this year, um, right at the beginning of January. My job makes it really difficult to play physical card games. Uh, Eternal does a really good job giving me kind of an outlet for that, and uh, it allows me to play my favorite way of playing any form of card game, which is limited. Um, You can definitely find me on Twitch, Twitter, Facebook. Um, and I am starting to work on regular updates on YouTube. All of them are, my handle is Cassandra. It makes things nice and easy.
0: Cool. So what is your card game background?
1: Oh my goodness. All right. So my my physical card game background is fairly extensive, actually. Um, my physical card games range from Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh!, um, some fairly odd ones, Spoils, um, Dot Hack, Kaijudo, uh, Card Fight Vanguard, uh, Force of Will. Um, I've also played a little bit of that new Dragon Ball Super com- that came out. Um, some of my digital card games, I have a bit of experience in there as well. Going all the way back, if if any of you, if any of your guys that listen know of this card, uh, Elements, the game. Um, it is a really old digital card game, it's like a Flash game. Oh, right. Um, I also play a reasonable amount of Faria still, uh, that game does exist. Um, <laughs> Hearthstone I have played, um, and then there's another longer running game that doesn't, that doesn't go anymore called Kingdom CCG. So... A lot of card games, nice.
0: and so did you. When have you? When did you start playing Eternal?
1: So I've actually been playing the game on and off since open beta. Uh, okay. I never really played a lot of competitiveness in it. I just kind of messed around and played a little bit on and off. Like I said, it wasn't really until this this year, uh, right at the beginning of January, do I really pushed. Um, and I've reached master in both uh, both constructed and draft since I started doing this.
0: Did you play a lot of set three?
1: Uh, no, actually, I played none, and I, I talked to Ma, Man and Mouse a ton about kind of the set three things. I really had no idea what I was drafting when I started this, um, and I actually reached Masters fairly quickly when the change happened.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually, because I um, was saw you in one of the chats the day after the change happened, and... It was interesting to me because I felt like the overall mood of the community was <laughs> <laughs> was very negative that, that morning and day. And you were taking a much more um, sort of neutral, let's wait and try it approach. And you had mentioned that you, and I, I guess I kind of assumed that it probably meant that you hadn't played set three or maybe you <laughs> said something to that effect. But it also made me really interested to have you on so we could talk sort of maybe with to someone with fresh eyes who's very good at draft but isn't doesn't have sort of a, a colored view of this draft format. Because both Ruben and I, I think, are a little bit on the n- negative side as far as like synergy drafts go in general. And so I just thought, you know, it'd be will be interesting to hear your takes on this draft format. So, um, yeah, so I guess this is just going to be mostly a free-form discussion where we talk about some pretty sort of vague questions and hopefully it sparks some discussion. To start with, I guess I was just wondering, um, have you felt you've had to change how you draft to fit this new format because of this, the synergy possibilities now?
1: Oh, most definitely. Um, so, I, I've realized that uh, if you want to play more than two colors, you really need to ca- keep an eye out for fixing uh, much more than the previous drafts. Um, I, I look at Trailmakers, uh, and I value them very highly, along with Bannerman, uh, Banners, and the Tokens. They all they all kind of take almost like a center stage for me, and I take uh, a very, very important note when I see those kinds of things show up in my in my packs. Mm-hmm. Um, Often I try to find my I find myself balancing like a strong board progression card and I'm like looking at going should I pick this card or should I look at this token or this banner like you really are doing like kind of weighing them off going like should I pick like these important cards or do I really need to start establishing my power base
0: Mhm So would you say that you're still trying to be in a three three colors or two colors with the splash or
1: so I um I definitely find myself me personally i try and find like two really strong colors that can fit in more than one um that can fit in more than one uh three color faction so mm-hmm. let's say i'll start with uh either um, alessian um, and alessian once i hit my defiance packs i can either shift into Aurelian or genev because i have like this strong time and primal base whatever i see flowing my way i may pick a couple a couple of cards and maybe I first pack that can go either way maybe a fire card in there, maybe one shadow card. But as I see things open up, as I go through the draft, I'll, I'll shift my strategy to fit what's coming my way. So I would say like I kind of focus two, and then I, I build it and flesh it out to fill the three-color strategy based on what I see.
0: And so is that different than what you were trying to do in the last format, do you think?
1: Uh, I definitely think so. Uh, usually you try and solidify yourself in a three-color combination pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's at least what I would do. I would, I would see, I would look and find, like, if you f- see, like, an important card making it late in the pack, like, if you see a Sauropod, um, halfway through your, your early pack, you're like, well, I guess I'm going Genev. And if right. you see, like, if you see a couple of courtiers come through, you're like, all right, Aurelian looks fairly open. Mm-hmm. And then if you see, you know, like, if you see, like, a scald and a couple of weapons, you're like, well, I, I clearly need to look at Ixton. And yeah. then you just never went Crendon. so.
0: Yeah, that's interesting, because I feel like I've been, um, I've actually been mostly playing this format like it was the old format and just ignoring the synergies because I've <laughs> not had a ton of luck uh, trying the draft synergy dra- decks. Um, so do you think you are paying more attention to like Yetis and Dinosaurs and Sentinels? And
1: So yeah, w- with the introduction of, uh, of synergies, so I drafted actually a lot of magic during the Loro in time. So mm-hmm. I actually had a lot of I had a I had a strong base for synergy drafting, Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of helpful for me. Um, This is it's a dynamic uh, that adds to draft, but it's kind of a trap sometimes. Um, Often I would find myself or others picking maybe a weaker card in a pack that's synergistic but not very strong on its own, hoping they find like that like they don't have that synergistic base. Often to find themselves never finding that payoff late. Um, Like it's it's a really easy. Like like almost a delusion to fall into, and maybe you can leave yourself disappointed if you don't like if you hedge on like a certain archetype like gunslingers, and you just don't find those payoffs. Like you you pick into it very quickly, and you're like, all right, let's let's just let the gunslingers roll in packs three and four, and and then you just don't see it. Um, Often I find myself drafting just strong cards, and -hmm. then as the synergies roll through, I might start to value them a little higher as I see more and more. But I try and pick like a, a strong base. Before I start picking, like the the couple of cards that really push your synergies.
0: Yeah, I think that's good advice, and I think that's something I'm trying to do more. Is like not think of it as a yeti deck or a sentinel deck, but like a good deck that has like a
1: sentinel package in it. Yeah, like like think of yourself as like a Genev deck that has has a couple of sentinel payoffs. Yeah, like or or even um. A Genev deck can go Yetis as well, or Dinos. Um, an Aurelian deck can do a Sentinel, uh, Sentinel or Dino strategy, and then the the FJS yeah. Winchester can sometimes be just like it's it's low to the ground token strategy, like the Go Wide with mm-hmm. the Scavengers and the Mob rules. But you might have like a Gunslinger or two in there. But it's it's not something you really want to like hard force, and very rarely are you gonna see that that crazy four stone scour Sentinel deck. You're gonna often see like maybe one or two. And just a couple of ways to get that payoff.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I like that take on it. I've been feeling that my my uh, train wrecks I've had recently were doing something like that, like just getting really too excited about a <laughs> a synergy based or you know tribal card too early, and really like latching onto it like a, one of the big bond dinosaurs or Sentinels or something. And <laughs> I think that that's. Yeah, that, that's something you got to watch out for at this point in the format, especially. It's because it's just not guaranteed to come across, you know, for the rest of the draft in any sort of way. Like it, at that point, especially pick uh, pack one, like you're saying, you just try to focus on the good cards. I think yeah. that's a great approach.
0: Yeah, what's really interesting for me is, um, you know, in the last format, I was always debating with, with people on whether they thought that was a synergy format or not, you know, because you had Renown, you had the go wide and things like that. And I, I always felt in the last format that you would actually have more luck just playing like a good stuff deck. You know, I think Winchest is the perfect example. Like you could play like a bunch of scavenges and blazes, but you are much better just like playing a bunch of Carendon stewards <laughs> and good cards in your deck, then you were trying to go all in on this go wide strategy. I kind of feel like this format is very similar in that respect. Is they have these like almost trap synergies. Like you can take advantage of them, but you st- even like Winchest. I the Winchest decks I've had the most success with haven't been like Gunslinger decks. They've been like really <laughs> there've been really good cards in FJS and some of them happen to be gunslingers. I've been trying to draft more in that way, where I'm not, like you said, not really thinking about the synergies, but thinking about making a good deck, and then if I get the synergies, I get the synergies. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be implementing Cassandra's methods (laughs) methods yes.
2: <laughs> from now on out because i, I I'm, i've been uh, experimenting enough at this point that i can i can totally see everything he was saying <laughs> I've, I've made the mistakes myself I, you know i wish i had just waited to listen to this podcast but yeah
0: well that's probably it. what i could say about this draft that we're about to review so we're gonna do our draft for this week this is our first time we have three members for the draft so we'll see how this goes Pack one, pick one. Cards in contention. There's Infernal Titan, which is six power, fire, fire, shadow, shadow, six, six, lifesteal. Summon, deal two damage to each of your other units. There's a Territorial Elf, the two shadow, three, one, berserk. Territorial Elf, can't block. There's a Monolith Guardian, which is the four, praxis, one, one. Gains plus six, plus six while you have a relic. There's a Secret Pages which is the three-time a sigil of your choice from your deck depleted. There's an enraged Aract- Aractadon, which is the 6-6 Berserk Primal card, and there's a Granite Acolyte. And I took the Monolith Guardian, pack one,
1: pick one. So what do you guys think? So after looking at all of these cards, um, I would definitely consider the, the Granite Acolyte, the Monolith Guardian, and the Infernal Tyrant would be like my three top top picks here. Um, being at pack one, pick one. I wouldn't want to push myself into more than one color. So I'd probably pick the Granite Acolyte here.
0: And Ruben, I'm assuming <laughs> based on our past experience that you would take the Granite Acolyte?
2: Uh, I mean, it, this is this is tough because I think Monolith Guardian is a crazy powerful card in that archetype mm-hmm. specifically. Like Asundra mentioned at the beginning... It's one of those since there's so few like four and five drop sentinels that really do the trick. I I mean I know that you do need a relic in order to turn it on. Um, I found that's not too difficult, so it's really close for me. I I feel like I'm like a my philosophy on pack one pick ones is usually just to take the strongest card mm-hmm. um, above the most likely playable but i i don't i don't know i don't really think you could go wrong with the granite acolyte either since it's one of my favorites and uh there's not as many ways to trigger certain renown effects as there used to be so yeah i i don't i'm i'm gonna go with the monolith guardian too
0: i think i would have just just for the fun of it picked that card (laughs) yeah that's kind of how i was feeling i haven't actually played many monolith guardians before because i was By the time I was into pack two in the old format, um, I was usually not praxis. So I just thought I would try to get in to see how, (laughs) see if the Sentinel deck was open and being able to play, you know, a 7 7 on turn four is always great. Yeah,
2: but I I think the accolade,
0: Cassandra's pick is the most disciplined for sure. Yeah. Pack one, pick two. Uh, Cards in contention, there's Tempered Sentinel, which is six fire fire, five three charge bond sentinel there's an amber ring three time uh relic once per turn you may pay three to play a one one explorer there's a stalwart shield a mithril mace and an ice bow um and i took the tempered sentinel and for me it was really between the tempered sentinel and the amber ring and i think the amber ring is a much better card but i was just kind of feeling i was feeling the sentinel deck so I just thought I would go for it. But uh, what do you guys think I should have done here?
1: Um, I actually am not really excited about Tempered Sentinel. Um, Bond for this unit is kind of a bit of a trap, because if you think about how many uh, Sentinels you're going to get far before he comes out, um, the, the, like the earliest Sentinel you're going to play is a 4-drop. Mm-hmm. So um, you, you're not actually thinking of the dream of playing this guy like on like, 2 or 3. You're going to play this guy on turn 5. Right. Um, and then when you play him on five, you're also not attacking with your unit that you just played the turn before. Yes. So, um, and then the three the three health for a, a six drop unit and rest your your unit kind of kind of leaves me at, at almost like a card disadvantage or a board of present disadvantage to play him. Uh, I would definitely side with the Amber Ring over the Tempered Sentinel here.
0: Yeah, I agree with all that. I think honestly, I was my decision was a little colored in that <laughs> uh, recently I just lost to someone that played three tempered sentinels against me in one turn. <laughs> <laughs> so, cause just looking at the card, I think it's a really bad card, but then someone did that and they just wrecked me. And I was like, well, I guess I should <laughs> try it. I don't know. Patrick,
2: I, I love it. You're just, this is, this is your method. You're like, this beat me. It's gotta
0: be great. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's science. I'm just experimenting with a card I would never play under normal circumstances.
2: Um,
0: I, yeah, I'm I'm totally with Cassandra on this one. I would
2: have gone Amber Ring as well. I think that it's it's really good and you have a monolith guardian. So
0: I know, I know. It's I know.
1: Double, yeah. I get yeah,
0: it, it. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I agree. Uh,
1: on another side note that I don't think we brought up a lot, with the shift of the format, it's definitely slowed down a lot.
0: So Mm -hmm. cards
1: like Amber Ring, we may have valued a lot lower in the previous format. Uh, Amber Ring and Emerald Ring are both phenomenal cards in this format. Uh, Maybe Emerald Ring's a lot better, but Amber Ring still does a great job.
0: And so with your Granite Acolyte first pick, uh, would you still just take the Amber Ring?
1: Uh, With the Granite Acolyte, I would actually lean between Amber Ring, Stalwart Shield, and Mithril Mace. Uh, I think Amber Ring is reasonable, but it's not really where you want to be if you're looking at a Granite Acolyte to build off of. I think that the Mithril Mace is actually a really strong card right now. Um, The Double Justice would push me away from it a little bit, though.
0: That's interesting. I would have still taken the Amber Ring, I think, because I I really like these dirtily uh, relics. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think Mithril Mace is a card that has gotten much better in this format, sort of in the vein of uh, what you were saying with Iron Hook.
1: Yeah, um, there's there's been times where I've gotten one war cry trigger off of a mithril mace and suddenly the difference between 3 and 4 is unbelievable. It yeah. kills so many threats.
0: So, pack one pick 3, cards of contention, there's a uh, moon dial which is the three time time relic, summon nightfall, once per turn you may draw, you may pay 5 to draw a card. There's a Wandering Forge, the 4-fire, four 4-2, four plus 1, plus 1 in Overwhelm while you have a Relic. There's a Dragon, uh, dragon Breath, Copper Hall, Marshal, a Longshot Marksman. And I took the Moondial.
1: All right, so uh, I think Moondial is a reasonable card. Um, I do know that most of the time that I pick a, a Sentinel strategy, uh, you usually die to Flyers. So mm-hmm. I usually try and find ways to shore up that weakness and Dragon Breath does an amazing job with it. Um I would probably pick the Dragon Breath over the Moondial and the Wandering Forge in this pack on a hedge with these two previous picks that I'm probably gonna be in Praxis or Genev.
0: All right. Ruben?
2: I, I like Wandering Forge. Uh, <laughs> I mean I mean if I'm if I'm where I would have been I, get, I know this is going to be really hard for people to keep up with. the Like if you had gone Monolith Guardian into the Amber Ring into Wandering Forge, Wandering Forge it, because it's just a solid four drop and has the the benefit of also turning on some crazy powerful bond things. But this is like we talked about. This is kind of the trap I've been falling into a few times. Like I I it's high risk high reward type drafting where you go too soon on some certain synergistically empowered cards instead of just taking something solid like a Dragon Breath, and yeah. you can easily get punished. Whereas if you just keep picking cards that are good in most decks, <laughs> which Dragon Breath I think is, like he said, um, is, is probably the better approach right now with the way the, the draft packs actually
0: have been playing
2: out in my experience too.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think everyone who listens to the podcast knows that I really, really like Moondial. So <laughs> yeah. So if I have a card already that requires a Relic, Moondial probably is getting picked. And I'm actually glad that you men- you said Dragon Breath, Cassandra, because I think this is one of the things where Ruben and I always talk about how everyone really likes Dragon Breath, but then we never actually pick it in the decks we talk about. <laughs> um and so, yeah, like, because I, I honestly would n- never pick a Dragon Breath. I know I'm, like, lower on the card than the community is in general. And with the fact that I'm still kind of hedging on Praxis, um, you know, and giving any Fire and Time will cards, like, a little boost in my head as far as how I'm rating them, Dragon's Breath really wouldn't have been on my radar. All right, so let's go to pack one, pick four. Uh, cards in contention there's a repulsive gorger which is the seven shadow shadow seven four summon you may sacrifice another unit to give each enemy unit minus one minus one there's an oni quartermaster there's a slope sergeant a final shot rider and inspire obedience and i took the oni quartermaster um fits in my colors it's a powerful card though i I kind of feel like it's a lot
1: less powerful now than it was in the last format. I don't know where you guys are on that. Uh, I would say if you can find a Grandfather's Axe during your packs of Defiance, the card drastically gains. One card that wasn't mentioned, though, there is a Novice Heralder. It's the, the double primal 7-drop Fate. Um, the Explorer or Dinosaur in your hand with the highest health gets plus on plus plus 1. Um, it's not that I would pick this card. But it's that I see that this card is still in the pack as a rare, which means that it's possible that Primal may be open, um, which which leads that Dragon Breath pick. And it would make me really hold on to it and push Genev even more in my packs two and three. But looking at these packs, I think Woody Quartermaster, uh, the payoff of picking this card over the other cards in the pack is fairly low. So I don't see a problem with picking this card With the possibility of finding things down the line.
0: Yeah, I didn't mention the novice herd rider because it just seems so bad for a rare (laughs) that (laughs) I would probably pass it. But the reason I mentioned all those shadow cards Mm -hmm. um, was sort of for the same reason. Like It felt like there are pretty... Not great shadow cards, but there's still a lot of pretty good shadow cards in this pack. And so I was wondering if any of these would tempt you into picking one um, over a quartermaster?
1: Uh, probably not yet. Um, I do see a final shot rider, and I've definitely died to a deck that had six final shot riders. <laughs> so it's definitely a card. It's just not a card that I would value right now. Yeah. Um, like I said, bo- uh, trust your revolver and final shot rider are both highly synergistic cards. And my deck is nowhere near that synergy level to where I'd be comfortable playing it.
0: Right. And do you, what are your opinions on Repulsive Gorger? That's a uh, new card, so I haven't had a lot of experience uh, playing with it yet. Um, I have
1: drafted it a grand total of zero times. Okay. Yeah, and it I've, seems I've, I've like drafted. the summon
0: ability could be very strong. So it, it feels like it could be a strong card, but it, it might just be too expensive.
1: It is a dinosaur to take note, too. So, um, Xenon Dinosaurs is a deck that I have seen to an extent. Usually it splashes Primal, it goes Aurelian. But mm-hmm. um, if you go along those lines, sometimes you find like courtiers with some uh, Relic Synergies. You can just sacrifice a courtier to get even more value out of it. So I could see it being used in some of these decks. And okay. being a seven-power Dinosaur, you can play some good Bond units off of it.
0: That's true. All right, and so Ruben, you're in with the Quartermaster? Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I like shout outs to inspire obedience as a removal spell that occasionally just has to go in your deck i don't think here it would be even close to the pick but i found myself since like cassandra mentioned it's kind of slowed down the format has that i find that my deck can like squeeze one of those in more frequently than it used to it used to never be even be on my radar but i'm glad you included it as a card in contention um but yeah, I think Quartermaster, the upside is crazy. They, I mean, they added that new Echo weapon, right, um, mm-hmm. to time. So there's some really incredibly powerful um, options to get the Quartermaster to just completely go off.
0: Yeah, that's interesting, because I've felt the opposite, where I, I did pick it here, but it ended up not making my deck because I had so few weapons, because I feel like in my recent drafts, I've been getting so... F- Few weapons while in the last format I almost always felt comfortable playing a quartermaster because you would just get the weapons all right so pack one pick five um cards in contention there's a there's an agent's choice a dispel and an
1: unpredictable outlaw and I took the dispel so seeing that there's an ijin's choice here really uh really sends like almost a, a strong signal this entire pack, um, there are two Primal cards, Mm -hmm. three Justice cards with the the dual color counted, and two Fire cards. Out of the eight cards, it's almost all of them. Um, I would look and go, why am I not cutting and going into Ixton right now? Um, Mm -hmm. That would be the thoughts in my head. Um, And I would deeply consider taking the Aijin's choice and shifting out of Sentinels into into Ixton.
0: You know, I I agree that Aiden's choice getting past uh, this far made me pause because I think that's a great card. I will say the two primal cards in this pack are not great, which is Sersa's uh, <laughs> meddling and Nocturnal Kyrax. That is true, um, but but it is interesting that you mention it because in packs two and three, um, justice was wide open.
1: That's um, that's kind of because I see the Loyal Watchwing and mm-hmm. the Aiden's choice. It, and then um, when we looked a little bit earlier, we had the Dragon Breath that was past two picks. Yeah. The, and then the Primal was still open <laughs> at the following pack. I, I see all these signals and I go, I should probably. I look at this Ixton lane and I see it's fairly open and I should probably be going that way. Okay.
0: Yes, but you didn't see pack, pick six yet. No, I did not. <laughs> all right. This is well, where you I'm ended up picking, fully... picking a spell, right? I picked a spell. <laughs> Where I become fully vindicated, uh, pick six, cards of contention, there's a Trailmaker, a Grenadine Drone, a Final Shot Rider,
1: a Triggerman, and I took the Trailmaker. So yeah, Trailmaker's absurd. Um, (laughs) Seeing seeing a Trailmaker make it this late makes me, again, question myself. And I would probably (laughs) still pick Trailmaker, even if I said I'm shifting out. I would pick Trailmaker and keep my keep both my both lanes kind of open here. Yeah. Um. Because Town Watchmen, not an exciting card. Granite and Drone is is okay, but once again, not a very exciting card. And then the rest of it is just Gunslingers. Yeah. And I don't have a single Gunslinger in my deck yet. Yeah.
0: No, I actually really like that approach. I, you know, because uh, like I've been saying, I I never really considered switching to Xten but. I agree, even if in your head you're like, I really think I'm Ixton. You know, taking the Trailmaker, knowing it's such a powerful card, but still leaving the option open on whether you play it and whether you jump to Ixton or not is, I think, really good drafting. Uh, Ruben, so what do you think?
2: I mean, you got to take Trailmaker.
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah, no No other option. Yeah. You're, I mean, you even had time cards at this point.
0: <laughs> I, have, I have a lot of time cards.
2: I would probably take Trailmaker over this other stuff, even if I had... No time cards. Know, yeah, potentially. That that might be a bold statement, because some of these, you know, gunslinger... Like, you know, Final Shot Rioter is pretty strong when you get the, the enough gunslingers in your deck.
0: Pick seven. Uh, cards in contention. There's a Dormant Sentinel and a Granite Acolyte. And then I guess if you're in Ixton. You, you also have the choice of a um, Skycrag banner and a Yeti wind flyer. Um, so, for me, I just took the Granite Acolyte. Um, a lot of it is based on the discussion of Card of the Week. I'm just like not sure that even if you're in Sentinels, Dormant Sentinels that high of a pick. <laughs> and Granite Acolyte's a really powerful early drop. So, that's what I took. So, uh, Cassandra, I'd be interested in what you would take. If, you, if we were in your alternate history, where you have a Dragon's Breath and an Igen's Choice.
1: So um, it, in my alternate history, Orny Quartermaster suddenly became a very good card because mm-hmm. we already have one Granite Acolyte and an Igen's Choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, suddenly we have quite a bit of payoffs. I do take a note that there's a Skycrag banner here, um, and my choice would bounce back and forth between the banner and the Acolyte because I do look fairly rooted in Fire Primal, if I'm looking at the way these cards are coming, uh, flowing my way, a lot of Fire and Primal cards are coming through. And granted, Acolyte is just a, a premium 3-drop. He's a fantastic card. Fits many roles in the, in an Nixton deck. He even fits good roles in, in, a, in a Sentinel deck, too, because he can make your Sentinel larger to make Bond cheaper. Yeah. Um, you could almost treat this guy as a 1-drop if you have a Bond unit to follow it up. So I would actually still pick the Acolyte. Um, when it comes down to it, but I, I do think the Skycrag banner is a, a very strong choice as well.
0: All right. Yeah, I was trying to tempt you with the banner. <laughs> no, he's he's definitely right to take
2: that because the banner's there, we know that Skycrag is potentially quite open, at least, you know, is going to be in pack four whenever mm-hmm. it, it comes up again.
0: All right. So um, that's all the picks we're reviewing for pack one. Um, so I fill out my deck. With an enraged Diractodon, a cobalt ring, a staff of stories, which I got like pick eight or wow. something, a barkeeper's friend, and an assembly line. So, to just quickly review for everyone listening, um, my units right now: I have a trailmaker, a granite acolyte, an oni quartermaster, the monolith guardian, a tempered sentinel, and then the enraged oractedon. I have four attachments to go with my monolith guardian. Um, a Cobalt Ring, which not great, but I do have it. Uh, moon Moondial, Staff of Stories, and then I have the Barkeeper's Friend. And then my spells right now are just an Assembly Line and a Dispel. So going into Pack 2, pick 1. Uh, cards in Contention, there's a Burn Them All, which is the 5, Fire, Fire, Primal. Deal 5 damage to an enemy, Amplify 3, deal 5 damage to an additional enemy, there's a Stone Shell Walker, and there's a Fire Heart Recruit. And I took the Burn Them All.
1: He doesn't even make note that there's an Iron Hook in here. <laughs> um, <Are
0: you>? Anyway,
1: <laughs> so um, I definitely think Burn Them All is a phenomenal card. That is a, a, not only is it a fast spell, but it's a fast spell that deals 5 damage. And 5 damage kills Sirocco Gliders, it kills a 1 Pump Saw uh, Infused Guardian. It kills a lot of the Sentinels in the medium range. Um, you can really get a lot of value out of that card. Um I would definitely pick it either in either universe that we're in right now. I think this card would be like kind of like a windmill slam and move on
2: oh, yeah, yeah. I, I i I play it and constructed a lot so <laughs> it's it's one of my favorite uh, market cards <laughs> yeah I, I think it's amazing
0: yeah the only bad part about burn them all is I always get too greedy with it when I'm like on seven power and I'm like, I'll just wait one more turn. And then I,
1: I have died with a burn them all in my hand because I didn't, I waited to try and get to a power.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Greedy so, is a thing.
0: Yeah. All right. So the burn them all, um, then, uh, pack two, pick two, uh, cars of contention. There's a new order watchwing. There's a mesmerized moth. There's a hard sight cyclops an on egg and a ru- a runic protector. Uh, master cartographer and a bear arms. So, I think by far the most powerful cards in the pack are the new order watchwing and the bear arms. Um, but for me, I took the arachidon egg, uh, because I felt like I was it fit my colors, it fit the <laughs> monolith guardian, and I just don't really like the hard psychops, even if I was still thinking I was sentinels, though I haven't actually picked i didn't get any sentinels late so i don't actually think i'm in the sentinels deck anymore and the only other interesting thing for me is i think in the last format i would have snap picked the bare arms even in my universe just because i'd be like uh it's so easy to splash a fourth color (laughs) and i think it's such a powerful card but i was trying to be a little more disciplined here
1: so when I if I opened this pack in my universe, I would look at all my time cards in my pool, well in my deck, and I would throw them in my pool and go, Welp, we're going into Ixton guys. And yep. I would slam New Order Watchwing. <laughs> but um looking at the looking at the the, the current universe, I would definitely consider the Rockana Egg. I think it's a fantastic card. Uh, I actually don't like Hard Sight Cyclops one bit in the Sentinel deck. Uh, right. The fact that it's double fire makes it very difficult, and there's a lot of 4-cost Sentinels with the exact same stat line, or very close to it, that you can play that don't have that high restriction.
0: Yeah, so it I makes would no probably, sense.
1: Right? Yeah, I would probably still pick the Arachnid on here. here. Sorry.
0: <laughs> would you pick uh, Mesmerized? How do you feel about Mesmerized Moth? I think
1: the card is amazing in one deck and that's oh. Aurelian if I had if I had X number of sirocco gliders I would value it higher as well um, mm-hmm. but outside of that I generally only want to play that card in an Aurelian deck
0: okay so you'
1: my r one monolith guardians not doing it for you <laughs> <laughs> no not particularly I think our attachments look good enough to where we're okay um, the other awkward part about mesmerized moth is you can't have the turn three relic turn four guardian. Right. You have to go turn three relic. Well turn three unit that makes relic, turn four relic, turn five guardian. Yeah. It's a little it's a little awkward, but it, it would work. Um I still wouldn't value it high enough.
0: Yeah, I only mention it because I never actually picked the card, but then Ruben always says, Hey, you didn't mention mesmerized moth. So Ruben, what are your yeah. thoughts on this pick?
2: Uh, I just
0: I mean, you notice that the rare is
2: missing, so it's yeah. still yeah, you know, obviously too early to be like, "Ooh, New Order Watchwing Justice is wide open." Unfortunately, because there are some Justice rares, I would probably pick over it. But um, yeah, this is a tough pick. I think Master Cartographer is worth mentioning just because, uh, like the format is a little slower and filtering through your deck might be a slightly more of a priority for for certain deck types. Um, mm-hmm. So it it's close for me the same cards that you already mentioned. I I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of egg because I I've, I just really hate top decking it mid and late game. Like yeah. it's it's so strong I, unless you have like it's just saying like the the lane into the Aurelian um relic deck. Then Arachnid on egg just spikes in power level because you've got you know consuming greeds and things like that to turn it into value. If you're not you know doing playing a turn one egg <laughs> yeah. whereas a lot of decks I've noticed it's like that's the only way that erectodon is good is to have the turn one turn two egg um
0: so it's that's not even close to a guarantee either yeah i what's interesting is i don't know if this is just chance or variance i feel like i've been seeing more erectodon eggs played against me recently This is another one of those things where I was kind of doing this because I'm also not super high on erected on egg. I think Ruben and I are both lower on it than once again, than the community in general. But I was just wondering if maybe it somehow has gone like up in value in this new set. So that's part of the reason I took it.
1: It it does gain value if you find some dinosaur synergies because it allows you to have a turn four 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 dinosaur to bond out something reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's where that's really where I think the value in Arachnid Egg can shine, as well as of course like the Courtier Aurelian deck, the Relic Matter deck.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then the, just the final thing is the reason I didn't really consider Master Cartographer that much is because since I'm right now. Mostly base praxis, and all my low drops are praxis. I really shy away from taking a third color low, dr- you know, um, low drop at least this early. You know, I'll play it if I have to, but I'd rather have all my two and three drops be, you know, one or two different colors instead of having three different, you know, colored two drops.
1: I okay. I, I strangely value cartographer way lower than most drafters. I understand mm. the value of the card. Um, I just I actually think that it's almost worse of a top deck than a egg because if you play it, you are now going to lose the top card of your deck, and it gives you that feeling of losing something potentially valuable. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just me. I understand both sides of... I think the card is good and should be played. It's just a personal preference for this one.
0: All right, so um, pack two, pick three, uh, cards in contention. There is uh, Frostwave a Bannerman,
1: and a Magmatic Sentinel. And I took the Frostwave. So I do think that Frostwave is a very reasonable card. Um, I think it's a great one. I feel that considering we are currently three-ish colors with no real forms of fixing, we really need to value that Bannerman highly. And I would probably still end up picking the Bannerman here.
0: Yes. And that is, um, that's what Ben says. Though he always says to pick the fixing. <laughs> uh, if Ruben has taught me anything, it's to never pass Frostwaves. <laughs> that's a rule I live by.
2: I, I'm, yeah, you won't find a bigger fan of that card. But but I still think the Bannerman was the pick, though. Like oh. Just considering what you have and just how horrible the fixing is now um, across the
1: board. Not horrible, but it's significantly worse. The, the um, current, yeah, the current spread right now is fire time on four, uh, seven is primal primal, um, double time on three. Yeah. So I definitely really think we need a Bannerman here somewhere. Yeah.
0: And with Bannerman is stories, really good. It's Double primal on five. It is the Sabbath story is double primal. <laughs> All right. Yeah, okay. no, I, I, I like I like the Bannerman pick a lot. I feel betrayed, Ruben. It's un-
2: <laughs> I know it sucks. It's unfortunate. Things have changed though. To be yeah. fair, it's. It's a different world out there. Okay. Well, this might be my Deezo's office. <laughs> the the, the fr- Frostwave does just win the game on its own a lot. So it's yeah. not a it wasn't a bad pick by any means. Yeah. But I think the Bannerman is almost like exactly what you were
0: looking for at this point. I agree. I mean, I do have one trail maker. But. <laughs> All right. So this is a less exciting pack. Um, so pack two, pick four, Cards in Contention. There's a Be Gone... And a surveillor. and I just took the surveillor. So
1: yeah, this is this is a fantastic example of that. Uh, that drafting a creature type or a synergy that I was talking about. Um, the, the card that wasn't even mentioned here is actually Wind Cloak. Mm. Uh, Wind Cloak does an unbelievable job granting large units evasion, and in a slower format where we would have kind of pushed this card aside as not being very good, it has gained a whole lot of value um at least from me and I know a couple other drafters that have that have grown to like this card um but grabbing Surveyor without necessarily a large payoff for sentinels this is that that thing where you're like I'm going to pick the sentinel and hope that my packs 3 and 4 pay off um, right. i would i would definitely pick the wind cloak in this situation though
2: it's pretty good with that monolith guardian too yeah no <laughs> i
0: that's I, i'm really glad you said that cuz wind cloak i i think i'm still stuck in you know, the, pre, the pre-change the format where Ruben and I have been like pretty down on Windcloak. I like that you mentioned that you think it's going up in this new format and I'm going to s- sort of consider that more in my drafts in the future. Next is um, Pack 2 Pick 5, uh, cards in contention. There's a Warband Scald, which is the 5 Justice 3-4. It has Warcry for each of your units. There's a Cautious Traveler. <laughs> And and unearth the past, I guess. Oh god, you're just trolling me, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I figured if I mentioned the cautious traveler,
1: I had to the <laughs> unearth the past. There, there's one deck that I think cautious traveler can be played in, and that's if you get a mesmerium orb. Um, then the card is sometimes, sometimes reasonable. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I actually wondered if it has gotten better. I took the warband scald just because it's so much more powerful than no me. patrick it's still a trap
2: stay away it's still a trap
1: Warband called? called
2: no the cautious Traveler. oh i was oh, gonna say
1: i'm like out. how dare you he was
2: he was saying maybe it got better with sentinels no no the cautious traveler
0: <laughs> has not gotten better like, no because you also i think you're just fine with having it play defense right just give you a couple extra too, turns to a two-two on defense. What is that doing? It it fights against <laughs> the yeti decks. Some of the early, <laughs> the early gunslingers.
2: If they just uh, run out of power with their stewards,
0: you can block I, one. Cautious yeah, cautious
1: traveler does not block quick draw well. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, okay, yeah.
0: so it doesn't block the two-one. It doesn't block an empowered <laughs> steward very well. It, but it can chomp just to give you a turn. It can jump. That's pack. all you need. It can block
2: an Oni Samurai, which is also in the spec.
1: So uh I'm assuming you picked the Scald, right? That's what you I said. did pick the Scald, yes. Um again, let's let's travel to my universe where I'm rejoicing at seeing a scald in my Ixton deck. I know. I know. <laughs> that's just,
0: I'm actually us- usually playing the part we get a lot of um listener submissions of drafts they send in, in the Wii review. And okay. I'm always there derailing the podcast talking about my incredible alternate world <laughs> but uh so this is fun all right so yeah so i took um i took the warband scald um it did not make my duck because i did not leave genev so then uh next pick there's pack two pick six cards in contention there's a bottoms up and a token of honor oh. so i took the bottoms up um, this is along with Frostwave, just like a card that I usually don't pass even if I need fixing. So what do you think, Ascendrith, in uh, either world?
1: Yeah, another card to take note of is uh, Oathkeeper's Hammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, even if you don't have your, your New Order Watchwing, the card uh, games tend to go longer. And any time you can get a large unit, which the Praxis deck does a pretty good job making large units, suited up with a plus two, plus two lifesteal, That'll probably win your races, um, yeah. especially if you were to combine it with like a wind cloak to dodge the deadly uh, on the ground. Suddenly, you you're just in a, a borderline like this card must be answered with a premium removal spell, or I'm just gonna kind of carry this game away. Yeah, you are bringing all your picks together here. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's almost like that was the lane we might want to have gone into in this in this pick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: I don't know if I would ever pick an oathkeeper's hammer over bottoms up.
1: Um, so one one thing I see with uh, the sentinel deck is they don't really need to deal more damage. Yeah. Um, usually, if there's an issue, they need you need like sustain or maybe maybe some some form of evasion. Just just throwing a bunch of damage on the front end is not usually a thing that sentinels need. It's kind of like an over the top or a win more. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I... I yeah,
0: I like the word <laughs> oops I win value where like they just make they just don't block one unit and then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I just dealt nine.
1: Oh yeah, of course. And that card is definitely good at that. <laughs> Moving
0: on to uh pack three. So ending that pack, I didn't really get a lot of other great cards. I picked up another Justice card and unmoored Valkyrie. I picked up an Elvis Swindler, which seemed like it could possibly make my deck because I had a couple attachments. But we'll just go through a couple more picks. Um, Currently in my draft, I'm still strongly Praxis with just a couple um, Primal cards. Um, Mostly the same units that we'd already talked about. Um, I have a Trailmaker, Fireheart Recruit, Granite Acolyte, Oni Quartermaster, though not a lot of uh, weapons yet, Uh, Monolith Guardian, Surveiller, Elvish Swindler, Tempered Sentinel, Enraged Arachidon, and a Magmatic Sentinel. Cassandrith is solidly in Ixton, So yeah, so let's review pack, uh, pack three, pick one. Uh, cards of Contention, there's a Porcelain Mask, a Sandcrawler Worm, and a Magmatic Sentinel. And a couple great shadow cards. So I took the Porcelain Mask. I was just wondering, how do you guys feel about Porcelain Mask?
1: I think Porcelain Mask is a fantastic card. Yeah. Um, especially with your current uh, deck, not a lot of your units, like your units are large but they can chump block you for forever, uh, infinitely. Yes. You only have, uh, I think, you have zero overwhelm in your entire deck, actually. Yeah. So giving the, not only can you remove a flyer from from the, the problem, which, like I said, uh, the Sentinel deck usually has issues with flying. Um, so that's like a removal spell for a flyer. And it's also a way for you to push extra damage through. I think this card's fantastic.
0: So pack three, pick two, uh, cards in contention, There's a second Frost Wave, there's a Scorpion, a Power Breach Sentinel, a Surveiller, and a Token of Honor. And I took um, my second Frost Wave here.
1: So uh, I wouldn't really value a second Frost Wave as highly as I would a Power Breach Sentinel. Um, I would definitely pick something along those lines. Because we don't, like, yes, we have an Enraged Aractidong and a Magmatic Sentinel, but Power Breach just does a great job with this fantastic stat line. I would, I would definitely be picking Power Breach here.
2: Yeah, 5-6 six for 6 is great. <laughs> I agree. Ruben, I don't even know yeah. you anymore. Hey, <laughs> well, well, okay, I guess if we go back in time and I hadn't taken that Frost Wave over the Bannerman like you did, I might be considering my first Frost Wave here. So, yeah,
1: you're, you're, you're right, you're right. <laughs> right and, and from that sense, that does make a lot of sense. I think it would be a very difficult decision if we did not have a Frost Wave in the deck already. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um there there are certain decks that could handle multiple Frostwaves, but I think they're looking probably a little more aggressive than yours is cuz cuz Frostwave is is good on defense, but yeah. Um, I think it plays best when you're just trying to win a race. And I, I don't I don't see your deck as setting up a particularly potent offense early.
0: That's that's true. Um I will say and this is this is, well, not a little bit, 100% results oriented. But I'm currently 3-1 with this deck. And I actually, one of those wins was against Cassandrith this morning. And Double Frostwave has won me two of the games. Part of it is I just consider myself an unlucky person. So when I have the opportunity to put two of a good card in my deck, I usually put two of a card that I really want to draw in my deck so that I feel like I have a chance to draw it. I do not have those streamer top deck skills.
1: It's a beautiful algorithm.
0: All right, and then we jump into uh, pack four. The only other cards that I really picked up as far as units in this pack, I picked up a Sirocco Glider, which fits my deck really well because I have a lot of attachments, and a Carnivorous Sauropod, which was nice to see considering the colors. Um, So pack four, pick one. Cards in contention, there's an Aurelian Merchant, a uh, scourstone sentinel, wandering forge and a temple raider. And I took the merchant. And the uh, I guess I was just wondering is what you guys would do because I was really debating between the Aurelian merchant and the Scourstone Sentinel for a long time and I don't I was just wondering if you guys thought that that this is was a contentious pick or something to think about.
1: Uh I would definitely pick the Scourstone Sentinel here. Um mm-hmm. looking at you have you currently have two four drop sentinels that can get this guy out on turn five. Yeah. So I would I would for sure pick the the bond payoff card over the Aurelian merchant. Uh I, I do think merchants are fine cards, but I don't I don't value them quite as highly as some people do in their drafts. Uh time can can have some situational cards, but I feel like your time pool looks most of your cards are gonna be main deck playable where you're okay having any of those cards. Yes. So I would I would probably just play the Scourstone and not try and pull cards you might want in your main deck out of your deck to fill your, your market.
0: Yeah, for me, I think if this was the Genev merchant or the um, the fire merchant, I would never have I would never have picked them over the Scourstone Sentinel, but I really like the ramping ability of the Aurelian merchant. And I was also, even though I keep picking and pushing these sentinels, I actually haven't seen really any sentinel payoffs besides for this card. So by this time, I was kind of giving up on the sentinel dream.
1: <laughs> like I said, this kind of leads to that, like that, that trap that I was mentioning earlier. Sometimes yeah. it leaves you kind of kind of sad that you didn't find like a, a bunch of payoffs, and you're just, you, it leaves you kind of just like almost like a bad taste in your mouth when you reach the end of your draft. Because yes. your, your original plan didn't work exactly as you wanted, because you started your draft focusing something. Yes,
0: I I agree. Alright, so I'll just quickly review uh, the deck list for everyone and we'll post a screenshot of that in the show notes too. <laughs> I am playing a cautious traveler. No,
1: what? <laughs> why would you do this? I'm sorry. Oh no, wait, it gets better. There's two unpredictable outlaws. Yes. With one weapon. <laughs>
0: I just need, I value two <laughs> I value tutus. I really like my tutus <laughs> to keep me alive. Um, uh, and then I have a trail maker. I have my Aurelian Merchant, a Carnivorous Sauropod, Fireheart Recruit, Granite Acolyte, uh, a Serene Excavator, Monolith Guardian, Sirocco Glider, Surveiller, Wandering Forge. I took out the Tempered Sentinel and I have two Enraged Aractodons and a Magmatic Sentinel attachments I have an on egg a porcelain mask amber ring moon dial and a staff of stories and then my spells are bottoms up two frost waves a seek power awaken the ages display of instinct and a burn them all and then I have a skycrag banner and a token of honor and then I have a market uh the only really exciting spell in there is maddening whisper
2: so nice. the spell the spell in the market's pretty cool but yeah, that so can come like out against cards. us. Yeah, if they are like loading up a flyer real hard. Although well, I guess just, you know having a flyer, <laughs> or just they just had a flyer and you really <laughs> Your cautious traveler couldn't block it.
0: Yeah, I didn't have enough units. So I had to like play the cautious traveler. I think I'm not saying it's a great unit. Oh um, man, even but... still with with those extreme lack like of two drops and
2: stuff, I I still wouldn't play a cautious traveler.
0: But, so my know, whole that, game plan, more or less, is just play an range on and then Frost Wave them, and hope <laughs> that, that gets me there.
2: Your spell suite is amazing, by the way. Double yeah.
0: Frost Wave, bottoms up, burn them all,
2: and Display of Instinct, holy, and nice. a Maddening Whisper. Yeah, that's that's really incredible, and yeah, can kind of make slot. up for the lack of the spell uh, slot.
1: Very good. Yeah. Yes, but and the so rest,
2: your units are bad. <laughs>
1: Yeah, my <laughs> yeah, units are really bad. That's,
0: that's but really they bad. but that's my point, though, is my units are really bad, well, ignoring the Cautious Traveler, but they do ha- have a lot of attack. You know, like I have the surveillor, Wandering Forge, Monolith Guardians, Enraged, Diracodon, Magmatic Sentinel. So like I was saying, my whole game plan is drop a big power unit, and then Frostwave and Maddening, Maddening Whisper them, and then hope it gets there so i'm three and one with the deck and i i really should be four and oh but i made the tiniest misplay against Kalebovich. and then for like two turns in a row all my attacks would put him at one and i just like couldn't (laughs) couldn't figure out i couldn't like get over the hump so that's the uh end of our show here um once again i'd like to remind everyone to give us a five-star rating and review on itunes stitcher google play i forgot to check this week so hopefully someone has and we'll read it next week and uh thumbs up all barefoot farmers reddit posts about this podcast and please catch cassandra's stream um do you have a a set streaming schedule right now
1: uh i do actually uh i stream tuesdays and thursdays between six and nine um and then saturdays and sundays sorry this is all eastern standard time i should definitely let you guys know <laughs> six to nine p.m eastern standard time um, and then saturdays and sundays i stream from 6 a.m till around 11 uh 11 a.m uh eastern standard time as well
0: all right and then uh yeah, so please check that out, and then please send all your seven win deck lists, including you, Cassandra, to uh, farmingeternal at gmail.com. And remember to keep on farming. All right. Um, so, Cassandra, we usually have a quote unquote bonus segment where we just talk about constructed for a minute. If you do, you have a minute to do that, or sure, I don't mind. All right. So, have you been playing much constructed so far?
1: Uh- i do play constructed i i never play like hyper competitive decks i play fun things yes
0: yeah well I, that's actually how i found you because you started streaming um the week my uh wife uh went to Cancun for for 10 days okay. so i had like all of this free time once i put my kids to bed to to watch you uh try to get to masters um when you were playing the uh the witching hour deck before it was cool.
1: Oh, the the FJS witching hour. Yeah, that deck was a lot of fun. I did my first ECQ with that, and I, I enjoyed it a lot, like with all the revenge units. Yeah, that was that was like my my first streaming before, and I didn't think anybody really wanted to watch drafting. So I'm like, nobody wants to watch drafting. Why am I going to do that? But I I enjoyed it way more. Mm-hmm. And then I decided to shift things around, and I did weekdays constructed and weekends drafting. And my view count was, like, 10 to 15 times <laughs> what my constructed view count was. And I'm like, well, clearly I'm doing something wrong. Right. And like, I guess people like draft.
0: Yeah, but... no, I think the dra- there's, like, a hardcore contingent of, of drafters in Eternal.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, um, right now I'm playing, uh, I actually, from, like, a lot of other card games, I really like combos and control. So I'm actually playing Talir Combo right now. Mm-hmm. In in ladder, uh, I think right now my overall record. I'm just gonna look at it. I'm like, I'm like 21 and two. Oh wow, <laughs> the the deck takes a while to win, and my opponents are probably never happy. But it's really fun when it goes off.
0: Yeah, I was playing a a lot of Talir combo last month before Homecoming dropped. Okay. But then everyone, I mean, even almost. Uh, stopped playing Teler combo so I was like oh maybe it's bad now and so I kind of kind of
1: stopped playing it as much but yeah that's... everybody just wants to play the new cards yeah um I I've taken the stuff that almost did. I actually added time flies to the deck to speed it up even more mhm people are all like excited they're like oh my gosh I have plus 2 power I'm like well I'm just going to combo you on turn 3 now
0: oh <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool I, I I did craft uh four time flies for some stupid idea I had a couple months ago. <laughs> uh, along with Talir's unwinding. Oh, gosh.
1: I have tried to get it to work.
0: It's impossible.
1: The The best way that I found is to make it work with scorpions.
0: Oh, really? The best so way I've made it found is to replace it with brilliant idea.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I tried to make use out of the discard pile and like I said, that you hit them with Aurelian stingers and get the scorpions and then once they've survived the scorpion onslaught you're like all right let's let's reshuffle in mm-hmm.
0: what i've been trying recently is i've been trying to make a scream deck with it so just like try to hit them with as many stingers as possible of the no of the weights
1: oh you're doing it with um with a uh, teacher, teacher. Okay.
0: yeah try to hit them with multiple weights and then make them draw seven oh, cards
1: Oh, so they draw these extra cards and they just can't play them because they're so expensive yeah. that's pretty good
0: yeah, I mean it never works, but that's that was the theory behind the deck. How's uh how's your constructed week going, Ruben? Uh
2: it it was good. I mean, um Popo Tito's one of my buddies. So yeah. it was really fun watching him take down the ECQ. Um so now I've got like multiple friends <laughs> who are gonna be testing for worlds so i get to be fringely involved which is exciting but um also it's you know it's always bittersweet my, my ecq run was i think i got 15 and oh it's it's tragic to be honest because i started off i think i told you i was 11 and 4 which felt like i was just gonna cruise into it pretty easily and then ended up going 15 and 13 so it was a the rails came off really hard <laughs> so yeah. it, i mean it happens it's just it felt like it was basically coming down to not drawing enough merchants or any merchants a lot of games and when you build a deck around you know merchant interaction cuz i don't draw I, I didn't i was running that fps mid-range control deck that had no card draw of its own it was all kind of relying on getting howling peaks and getting lots of your your market synergies just driving forward and Mm -hmm. if you can't pull that off it just feels like you're playing a really slow bumbling control deck that doesn't have card draw so yeah it it was it was okay though i mean i i still had fun and the man these tournaments are just so well uh casted and stuff i just always i i'm I'm excited either way like making top 64 or not it doesn't matter to me really because i know that sunday is going to be fun regardless
0: Especially them dropping all the big news this time. Is, are those eyes? <laughs> are they, or the threes? Is it W? Um, yeah, we can
2: find I that have one. no idea.
0: <laughs> so
2: uh, they're either
1: going to be Wia or Willa or, W13A or yeah. W thirteen A or W three A. It's one w- of those three. Either one. We thank you. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. don't don't edit it out, and they'll understand. Oh,
0: maybe it's Will A. I bet you it's Will A. Okay. Okay.
1: All right, none of the ones I suggested.
0: (laughs) Plus, they never expect it in the
1: Sentinel stack. Never mind. (laughs) I feel like it's almost like it's not supposed to be there or something. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: one way to look at it.